Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Rootspace Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development, pull-up share. While I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future, questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode to sign which or whether to sign which or whether I'm taking a bit of a leap with you today or I'm ta- or I'm making you take a leap bit of a leap either way whichever um most of the baseball news on Thursday Friday and more than likely Saturday Sunday Monday Tuesday and Wednesday of this current uh, time period will be about the baseball MLB labor unrest. Justifiably so. As long as far about as well as I have this figured out. On what was it, Tuesday? Major League Baseball and the Players Union had a meeting going on and they broke up. They broke the meeting up and the players had made an offer to the owners. The owners, either on Tuesday or Wednesday, one of the two, said, we will make a counter offer. That is a complete thought. We will make a counter offer to the offer that Major League that the Major League Baseball Players Association provided to us. They made an offer. We're going to decline it and make a counteroffer. Then on Thursday, Major League Baseball said about that counteroffer, forget it, we're not going to give you a counteroffer. In fact, we're going to plead to the government to provide us (coughs) a bit of an intermediary. Because these negotiations are going nowhere, and we want to have baseball, and we want to look like the people with the uh, shiny hats, the white hats. We want to look like the people that are the nice people, Please send us a um, mediator, non-binding, and then we will be able to further advance these talks. That was Thursday. Friday's news was Major League Baseball's Player Association saying, about that mediator, yeah, nah. We're not interested. So the owners, who I don't think have given an honest cave in any sort of Major League Baseball discussion in, hmm, what, 20 years? Please send us a mediator so we can get these other people to get some sense pounded into them so that they can realize that they're supposed to cave into us. They did it the last two times. They're supposed to do it now as well. 
Maury Brown on Twitter had a stat that came out that kind of blew my mind. Kind of blew my mind. Don't worry, I'll get to Cub stuff. I'll get to Cub stuff. Over the last 10 years, this is going to be a bit of a clunky thought, clunky sentence, clunky idea. But per Maury Brown, over the last 10 years, Major League Baseball owners' net worths. Over the past year, over the past 10 years, Major League Baseball owners' personal net worths have gone up roughly $180 million a year. One eight zero. Zero 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 per year. So if you were at five point one billion, then the next year you would be at five no, then the next year you would be at six point well you'd be at five billion, then you go to five point one eight billion on average so you know it could be the royals are going up more than the giants or the yankees are going up more than the phillies or the what but on the average owners net worths whoever the owner is on average the owner net worth is going up 180 million dollars a year yeah i don't really think they need a mediator I think they uh, ought to realize, hey, perhaps we should um, give a little bit more to the players and get some baseball being played. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that. Maybe not. So that's where we are as far as with baseball. And since we're right there right now, owners don't want to cave to the players. Players, sure as heck, aren't caving right now to the owners so what that says to me is for a certain time period i'm going to say that again a certain time period a certain indefinite time period there's not going to be a whole lot of movement there's not going to be a whole lot of movement going on at the major league level regarding yeah we're going to have baseball soon they're not going to have spring training camp opening in, what, 12 days or 13 days? It might be a while. Now, I'm not going to say that that means it'll be more than three weeks. I'm not going to say that it'll be somewhere between five weeks and two and a half months. I'm not going to go that far. But for the next indefinite time period, it's not going to be so much a question of, so, hey, who's going to sign Chris Bryant? That's not going to be the question. For baseball teams across the spectrum, all 30 baseball teams, it's not going to be, well, who's going to sign Chris Bryant? It's going to much more be a question until the information coming out starts to change a little bit. It's going to be how are we, as an organization, going to stock our minor league organizations 
how are we as an organization going to stock our minor league organizations? I was looking at the Pirates list of prospects today. They have a really impressive list of prospects. Whether that will translate into anything at the major league level over the next, oh, I don't know what, three, four, five, six years? I don't know that. But looking at their list, they have a very enviable list of prospects. And as you start to look, okay, they got some catchers, they got some outfielders, they got a whole boatload of pitching, got some, you know, infielders, middle infielders, guys that are quick. They got one guy on their list. This list is a DH. What position does he play? No, he's DH. We're expecting DH, so we got a guy who's a DH. And hey, cool, all, all that. I'll go, go, go player development. That's where players are, or that's where teams are right now. We are trying to locate players to put somewhere in our pipeline. That's where the Cubs should be. Where, which players should we be signing into our pipeline right now? 190 players are allowed to be in the Cubs organization off the 40-man roster during the offseason up until April 8th or April 5th or whatever the heck the day is. So up until that one day, you have 190 players you can have in the organization. Then once the seasons resume, you can have 180 players. And it sounds like you have to cut 10 guys, but the reality is there's going to be some players who are going to be injured. You know that. I know that. There's going to be that pitcher who, oh, man, I was looking forward to seeing him play. I want him to pitch. I want him to do this. I want him to do that. Not all players, not all hitters, not all pitchers are going to be healthy. You know that, I know that, we all know that. So when you have 190 players dropping to 180, if you have some players who are not going to be able to play for a while, when they end up getting put on the minor league 60-day disabled list, they no longer take up a spot of the 190 off-season players. Which or whether? A question of which or a question of whether? As the next three weeks, do you think it's safe to say that they won't be playing baseball for the next three weeks, Major League Baseball for the next three weeks? I think it's kind of safe to say. I think it's kind of safe to say they're not going to get everything fixed and everybody out to Mason everybody in the next three weeks. I think 21 days, I think it's probably somewhat safe to say there aren't going to be Major League spring training baseball games in the next three weeks. I'm not saying 23 days, not saying 27 days, I think 21. I could be off. Heck, I'd put a, I'd put a seven on that. I, I, I had a concept going on in a different universe where 
you take a statement and put a number of one to nine on it. For instance, the Chicago Cubs home field is known as Fenway Park. Is that a one or a five or a nine? Well, no, it's Wrigley Field. Oh, okay. So that, so Cubs Major League Home Park being Fenway, that would be completely wrong. That would be a one. Um, the Cubs have vines on their outfield through much of the season. Well, yes, of course. So that would be a nine. You, nines are the things that are obvious. Ones are the things that are obviously wrong. There will not be Major League spring training games for the next 21 days. I don't know. Put six, seven on that. I don't think I'd put an eight. I think I'd probably put a six or a seven. You might be more confident that they will come back and start playing soon. Um, you might only put a two or a three on that. But as of now, teams should be questioning which players should we be bringing in for our rosters. Now, a lot of that, a lot of that is most of those guys are already around. Most of those players are already around. Basically, you're looking at most of the roster will be guys that were in Myrtle Beach, guys that were in South Bend, guys that were in Tennessee, guys that were in Iowa. Now, of the 190 players that are going to be in camp, those groups of five, no, those groups of four players probably will take up what? 90, 100? Of those 190 spots? Then you toss in the players who were in Mesa, your Reggie Preciados, your Kevin Alcantras. Toss in those guys, toss in the pitchers that the organization knows about, but we don't, the, the um, Luis Devers. He's a name that keeps getting tossed about as far as people are looking for him to possibly have a breakout this season. He wasn't in Myrtle Beach yet, but he's worth considering. Um, Drew Gray, Luke Little, pitched briefly in Mesa. So now you have the groups of players who were in Iowa, Tennessee, South Bend, Myrtle Beach, Mesa, and then some guys who have come up from the Dominican Summer League. You have your Pedro Ramirez. You have your Cristian Hernandez. Those types of players. Those are also going to be a part of the 190-player contingent walking in to opening day of minor league baseball. So when the Cubs are assessing which sorts of players are we going to have in our organization, most of them they already have. Most of them they already have. Then there are some guys, I'm going to use the name Lock St. John. Uh, was, it, was it Al Leiter Jr. or was it Mark Leiter? The Leiter. Yeah, 
which was it Mark Leiter? Um, the various number of pitching free agents, Matt Dermody, players that the Cubs have brought in in the offseason to add to, to bolster the hypothetically bullpen in Des Moines. Those are also players who have been brought in for the 190-man list to provide value for the organization. So right now, I, I haven't looked at any update from Arizona Phil in a while, but I would imagine the 190-player list is probably in the 185, 186 range. I would imagine the Cubs could probably add another couple of players if they decided without having to release anyone. And I don't think right now they really want to release anybody. If there was anybody that became available that was, you know, we'd probably better sign this guy because he's of more value than the guy that we're going to be releasing almost certainly anyway, third week of March. Yeah, there could be some of that. But realistically, right now, who the Cubs have is who they're going to be bringing in to spring training camp, whether that is minor league spring training camp or major league spring training camp. Right now, the guys that they have are the guys that they're going to be bringing in for spring training, whether major league spring training or minor league spring, spring training. So you have Michael Hermosillo. Probably he will be among the players that will be with the major league team for spring training. Now, deep breath. That's as of right now. That's as of right now. That's assessing things for February into March and possibly, 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 possibly into April and May. Especially through like mid-April. Getting the season off the ground. Last year, I talked quite a bit I don't know if it was so much in my writing or on the podcast or both or whatever about how in certain times of the baseball calendar, certain decisions become especially important. Certain decisions become especially important at certain times of the year. For instance, as July rolled around, and as the Cubs tended to struggle a bit in July, it became rather obvious that a number of players were going to be traded. That was kind of obvious. Quite a few of them were traded. Quite a few of the trades were very unpopular at the time. Understandably so. But it was very important to make the trades in July... Because as of July 31st, those trades could no longer be made. It was important to make July decisions in July, August decisions in August, September decisions in September, October decisions in October, 
etc., etc., etc. So the Cubs decided at some point in July, you know, if we trade Jack Peterson for a prospect, we can plug in Rafael Ortega into the starting lineup as a center fielder and see how he does. That was making a July decision in July. We can try this thing. I don't know if it'll work, but we can try this thing and see how it plays out. And if it works out well, then that will be beneficial long-term for the team. Cubs will say, hey, let's trade Jack Peterson. Let's let Rafael Ortega be the center fielder. And hey, shazam, it worked. They didn't know it was going to work. Let's put the one to nine thing. They thought maybe it was a six or seven that it would work. And it worked. Rafael Ortega played out fairly well as a center fielder down the stretch for the Cubs. Yay, hooray. They traded a whole bunch of players and got back a whole bunch of prospects. Those were July decisions being made in July. They couldn't wait until August to trade Anthony Rizzo because come August, that would not have been permitted. number of people like to say that, well, you know, the Cubs almost ended up trading Anthony Rizzo for Eric Hosmer. Plus a prospect. True, I guess. I'll, I'll put a six or a seven on that rumor. Don't know that I'd put an eight on it. But first off, it didn't happen. And then second off, after July, Eric Hosmer's value just completely disintegrated because he seemed like he was a really horrible person on the field, in the clubhouse, and just generally all around. And if the Cubs didn't trade for him in July when he actually had some value, why would they want him now ever? July decisions in July. August decisions in August. September, the Cubs were deciding, okay, let's call, a, let's have, um, oh, August decisions would be like, let's call up the guys that we have that are in the minor leagues that if they end up pitching really well at the major league level, we can keep them forever. But if they don't end up pitching well at the major league level, then we let them go at the end of the season and take them off the 40-man roster. For instance, like an Adam Morgan or you know, some of what, Ryan Meisinger, those relievers who were completely fungible and they brought him in. We're going to try this guy out, see how he does. Uh, they ended up bringing in Scott Efros from the minor leagues. Let's see how he does. Let's try out all these guys. Let's throw all this stuff at the wall because after all, if the Cubs would end up losing because these players are playing, it's really not too horribly important because the value of a Cubs win in August or September or early, early, early October really wasn't all that important. October decisions in October. September decisions in September. July decisions in July. What are decisions the Cubs should be making in March or in February? Does this specific player make sense to be added to our organization? That seems like a very 
Valid question for the rest of February. Does this player, whichever player is available, is this the type of guy that we should add to our organization looking to the future? It's not going to be a major league guy because the major league guys are, <laughs> on, you know, guys on the 40-man roster, they're not, they're not in the discussion. Chris Bryant, not in the discussion. Anthony Rizzo, not in the discussion. Those guys, not in the discussion. Right now, the question is, okay, well, there's this guy over here. He was in the Phillies organization last year. He was a pitcher. He had kind of crappy numbers, but he throws 96, and he has a splitter, and he had and he has. Is this the kind of guy that we, now, there's nobody I have in mind. But these are the types of questions that should be being asked in February. Does this guy make more sense? Then you look at the roster of the players who are currently under minor league contracts, and you ask, does this guy, who's currently under contract, appear to have more value than that other guy who's not currently on a minor league contract with the Cubs? You get those questions of, this guy here, is he going to be a better long-term piece than that guy over there? You're kind of uh, horse racing. You know, kind of horse racing. Not entirely sure. You know kind of what you have. You don't entirely know what you don't have. But you're trying to assess this left-handed pitcher, is he a better value than this first baseman or this right fielder? Those are the questions the Cubs ought to be asking right now. And they should be. Because having the right 180 players for April, for May, for June, for July is really kind of important for one rather specific overarching reason that I keep going back to. I keep going back to it, and a lot of people don't like to keep going back to it because, well, I, I don't know why they don't go, keep going back to it. I get, uh, Maybe I think too much. I don't know. For me, there is one overarching reason for the Cubs to, I think we should consider this player over that player when minor league transactions occur as March as February turns to March as March turns to April as April turns to May as May turns to June and as June turns to July let's just say it's a weather thing the colder the weather is, the decision matters more later, but it still should be a thought process. How are the Cubs how should the Cubs determine which roster fringe players they should have in Mesa? How should the Cubs best decide which roster fringe players they should have in Mesa? Let's say the guys like Luke Little and Drew Gray, a uh, whole bunch of players like that who are currently roster fringe. Currently roster fringe as far as I'm not going to be sure if they're going to be in Mesa. I'm not, going to sh I'm not sure if they're going to be in Myrtle Beach. Let's just assume that a bunch of those guys are either going to be in Myrtle Beach 
very uh, very soon or by June. Then you have the guys like Cristian Hernandez, Pedro Ramirez. They're not going to be in Myrtle Beach in June. They're going to be in Mesa. So now what you're starting to look at is, at least what I'm starting to look at is, you have your 180-player limit. Your 180-player limit, your players in Des Moines, your players in Kodak, Tennessee, your players in South Bend, your players in Myrtle Beach, those players are going to largely be determined by which players should be in AAA, which players should be in AA, which players should be in Advanced A, and which players should be in Low A. Not even a question. Where should Pete Crow Armstrong be? Where should he be? He should be wherever he is best being served. Maybe that would be Myrtle Beach. Maybe that would be South Bend. Whatever works best for the player slash organization, send him there. He's not who I'm worried about. He's not who I'm concerned about. He's not who this podcast is built around. I'm not sweating Max Bain, where he will end up getting assigned. He will be assigned to a full-season roster. Max Bain will be starting once or twice a week, and we'll see how that plays out. And I'm looking forward to those games. My question for this which or whether podcast is which players, which types of players, which sorts of players should the Cubs start clumping around in Mesa and why? Which players, since there's not going to be any Major League Baseball action going on the next two or three weeks, decisions that the Cubs organization ought to be making are which sorts of players ought to be being clumped around in Mesa with an eye on this player will be playing in Mesa in May, in June, in July, and probably in August. In May, June, July, and probably August. Which types of players should be being clumped around in Mesa with the expectation that they will be playing in Mesa. And this is getting back to an overarching question. Can the Cubs accomplish having two teams in the Arizona Compound League? Can the Cubs have two teams in the 2022 Arizona Compound League? Can they? Should they attempt to make roster moves that make it more likely that they will have two teams in Mesa? Because if they're going to have two teams in Mesa, they're going to have two teams in Mesa, then they can have effectively, what is it, 10 games a week instead of five games a week? To me, that would seem a good sale. To me, that would seem a good sale because you can learn things in practice. You can learn things taking batting practice. You can learn things taking infield. But there are some things that are probably best 
learned in a game. Let's take Pedro Ramirez and let's take Cristian Hernandez as examples. Cristian Hernandez, you know, and I know, and pretty much anybody who follows the Cubs even remotely in their minor leagues, he's going to play. Cristian Hernandez, if he's healthy, he's going to play, and he's probably going to play shortstop most of the time. So, as August rolls around, if there are two games going on on a certain day for the Cubs Arizona Compound League team, if there are two games, Cristian Hernandez will probably be playing shortstop in one of them. If the Cubs have one Compound League game, Cristian Hernandez will probably be playing shortstop in that game. So if there's one game, Cristian Hernandez is probably the shortstop. If there are two games, Cristian Hernandez is one of the shortstops and somebody else, very potentially, possibly, maybe, Pedro Ramirez will be a shortstop for the other game. And then that would lead to more at-bats for more players. There are a whole bunch of players. Ismael Mena, last year, really didn't get a whole lot of at-bats in the Arizona Compound League. Why? Because the Cubs only had three outfield spots and one DH spot. They were getting at-bats for Kevin Alcantara. They were getting at-bats for Owen Casey. They were getting at-bats for a whole bunch of different players. Whole bunch of different guys all needed at bats, all wanted at bats, all took advantage of at bats, all this, that, and the other thing. And Ismael Mena, well, you're not in the lineup tonight. You're not in the lineup tonight because we only have room for three outfielders. Only room for three outfielders. Three outfielders, one DH, you're not one of them. So Ismael Mena did not play. And the next night, Ismael Mena did not play. Then the next night, hey, we're going to actually play you today. Then he didn't play. Then he, if there's only one game going on, there's only nine. There's only what? Ten guys that are going to be starters. There's only one game going on. There's only going to be ten guys that are starters. If there are two games that are going on, there are going to be twenty guys that are starters. Seems to me. Seems to me. Probably be better off having two games going on. Having twenty guys who are starters having a whole bunch of guys who are floated in and out of the lineup. This guy gets to start four times a week. This guy gets to start three times a week. This guy gets to start five times a week. Everybody gets plenty of looks. Why? Because the Cubs have two teams in the Arizona Compound League. But that only happens That only happens if the Cubs have two Arizona Compound League teams. How would the Cubs... Add to the likelihood of having two Arizona Compound League teams. And is that a benefit? So let's say, let's say, let's say, let's say, two players become available. Oh, let's, let, let's say three players become available at basically about the same time in, oh, what do we want to say, March? March, yeah, let's say March. Um, one player is a minor league veteran. He's been around the minor leagues for, oh, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Came in as a starter. 
he has adjusted himself and has now pretty much become a relief pitcher. He's had some good numbers as a relief pitcher at the advanced A level. Maybe, maybe, maybe struggled a little bit at double A, but there's some stuff there. You know, the, uh, the advanced computer numbers, hey, this guy might actually have some potential to be a major league relief pitcher at some point. We should consider signing this player and plugging him in to the Tennessee or possibly even Iowa bullpen. That's one player option sort of thing. Second player option. This guy is an offensive player, hitter. You, you get to pick the position. I, I'm really not even going to decide. Uh, has a little bit of upside. Has some coaches who say he's a really good gamer of a player. You want this type of player on your team. Right now, he's somewhere in the A-ball range. Again, infielder, outfielder, whichever, whatever. Doesn't really matter a whole lot to me. Bring in this guy, and he can hold down that position at your A-ball or advanced A-ball team level, and he won't embarrass you. So now, are you more interested in the relief pitcher at double-A, the hitter guy in A-ball? Those are options one and options two. Option three is... This guy pitched last year at the college level, did not sign with anyone. He pitched fairly well as a collegiate in 2021, but did not sign with anyone, has not signed with anyone. If you acquire this collegiate pitcher from 2021, he will probably be able to walk onto your compound right now today and in four or five weeks be ready to give you three or four innings of starting pitching baseball on your compound league team. Which guy are you signing? Which guy are you signing? Are you signing the reliever that the Cubs can plug in at Tennessee or possibly Iowa, are you plugging in the hitter guy, outfielder, infielder, heck, maybe even a catcher, that they can plug in at either spot in Myrtle Beach or South Bend? Or do you bring in the guy who, he pitched in college last year. He pitched in college last year. He will be able to take a starting rotation spot rather quickly in a compound league organization sort of setup. Which guy are you after? Oh yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, is the guy a, is the guy a douche nozzle? You don't want him if he's a douche nozzle. Is he um oh, you know, does he treat people with the same sort of respect level that Trevor Bauer treats people with? You don't want him. But you're, you're looking for a guy who he can play, 
he'll get along in the clubhouse, he's, you know, acceptable, tolerable, blah, 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 whatever. But really, if you are trying to decide, we want this player to take up one of our 180 roster spots, are you pot committed to, I want to upgrade the Tennessee Smokies bullpen, are you upgraded, are you pot committed to, I want to upgrade the hitting at the Myrtle Beach South Bend range, whether it's infield, outfield, or catcher. Or I want to add a guy who's going to give me three, four innings, three, four innings once a week on the compound league level so that we can have a second team on the compound level in Mesa. Which is more important to you? Which is more important to you? I'm not going to tell you which is more important because it's a, which is your favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, <laughs> I tell you, one of the things on social media that drives me nuts, every once in a while, uh, you're, you, you, Facebook mostly, Facebook mostly, but sometimes you'll get this on uh, other things. You're on Facebook and somebody says, two of these have to go. Two of these have to go. You look at the things. Pizza. Hamburgers. French fries. Donuts. Milkshakes. Why do two of these things have to go? Why do two of these things have to go? That sounds like a stupid idea. How about if you like hamburgers, eat hamburgers. I had some egg rolls tonight. I like egg rolls. I had egg rolls. They were good. They were fine. They were wonderful. Why, why should we be telling people you have to make the same decision that because I think of something, that's the only option. No, bull crap. That's absolutely absurd. I think for the Cubs, I think for the Cubs, as they make February decisions in February, look forward to March decisions in March and April decisions in April, I want the Cubs to have two teams in Mesa. I want their roster decisions, since Major League Baseball is not going to be happening for the next three weeks anyway, I want the Cubs to start making roster decisions that prioritize, let's have two teams in Mesa. Mesa. Bring in that right-handed pitcher from a Southern Conference that last year pitched, I don't know what, 85, 91, 93, 97, 104 innings. He pitched 104 innings last year in, oh, which, which conference do we want? Uh, Sunbelt Conference, we want to say the Southern Conference, do we want to say the West Coast Athletic Conference? I don't even really care. This guy pitched last year as a starting pitcher, and right now, right now, right now, right now, he's healthy. Bring him in, bring him into camp, and in three or four weeks, he will be about ready to be able to pitch Three or four innings, heck, maybe even five if you insist, in Arizona Compound League games. That, to me, seems of immense value. 
as the Cubs look forward to how they should be organizing their roster in the minor leagues over the next couple months. If they can bring... Oh, but what's his ERA? What's a, Really? 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 If the Cubs bring in a pitcher from, oh, let's say the West Coast Athletic Conference, one of those California schools, um, Cal Poly Pomona, or where, where, wherever it is, whichever, San Diego State, I, I don't really care which school it is, he comes in, he pitches four or five innings once a week for the Arizona Compound League B team and has an ERA of six and a half. Oh man, that was a horrible signing. No, actually it really wasn't because if he made it possible for the Cubs to have an Arizona Compound League B team, if he took those innings and made it possible for everyone else to just fit in as a relief pitcher or as a whatever, if the Cubs have enough pitchers in Mesa so that they have 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 starting pitchers for the Mesa Compound League instead of 4, 5, or 6, they're suddenly looking at, hey, we can have two teams. We can have two teams. That means Christian Hernandez plays shortstop. Pedro Ramirez plays shortstop. This other guy that did okay in the um, Dominican Summer League last year, he can play wherever it is he wants, you know, wherever he's supposed to. And he gets to play right field. Well, wait a minute. We only have one team, so who, who's he going to steal a bat from? No, because the Cubs have enough pitchers, because the Cubs were pot committed to bringing in enough pitchers. The Cubs have enough starting pitching at the Arizona Compound League level that they can have two teams. It's not essential for every player in the Arizona Compound League to have an OPS of 1114 or higher. It's not essential for every pitcher in the Arizona Compound League to have a whip of 0.873 or less. Now, would it be nice if more of them did? Of course it would. But to me, the overriding question is, are the Cubs going to have two or one Arizona Compound League teams? The overriding question to me is, which position is Pedro Ramirez going to play more of? Is he going to play more of shortstop, or is he going to play more of second? And if he's playing more of second, is that because there's only one team and he has to play there? Or is he playing more of shortstop because there are two teams there, and he might as well play shortstop? As Cubs are making roster decisions for the next two, three months, I'm really not even so much worried about who they decide they're going to stick in the bullpen in Tennessee. Not even worried about it. One of these people has a burr in his butt about making a trade, the Cubs making a trade, um... It's really funny how, again, it's an Eric Hosmer trade. Cubs are going to be forced, because this guy is the baseball commissioner, the Cubs are going to be forced to take Eric Hosmer 
and they're also going to accept uh, Camposano, the catcher. But the Cubs are going to be forced because this guy is the commissioner and he has rights and powers that even Rob Manfred doesn't have. The Cubs are going to be required to surrender Kane Eckerts to the Padres. Now, what this person could do is say, you know what, I was looking into Kane Eckert's numbers. This guy that the Cubs have, he's kind of good. You could say that. You could say that, but no, 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 no. What he wants to do is hostage take and say, this is going to be the trade that is going to be made. The Cubs are going to make this horrible trade, and they're going to be forced to give up Kane Eckert. Kane Eckert might be in double A, might be in triple A, and whichever way he is, if he is coming into a ball game, I will be very interested in hearing how he does because he's generally done better than double A. And once a player is shown that he's pretty much generally better than double A, it's generally a good idea to see how is he at triple A. So if Kane Eckert ends up being on the Cubs roster in Iowa in early April, and he comes in and pitches in Buffalo, my goodness, that's going to be cold. Kane Eckert pitching on April 10th in Buffalo. I'd be interested. How's he do? Uh, does Alex sound like he belongs? Is he league quality? Is he a average pitcher? Is he an above average pitcher? Is he a below average pitcher? A triple A for right now. I'd be very interested in finding that out. But as far as adding players, as far as adding players, as far as adding free agents, you can have 180 once the season starts. Some will be in Iowa. Some will be in Tennessee. Some will be in South Bend. Some will be in Myrtle Beach. Some will be in Mesa. The players that are in Mesa, are you more interested in players in Mesa looking at them with an eye toward, ah, they are so far from the major leagues that I don't even care about them? Or are you more of a mindset that you can only have 180 roster spots. So if you're going to have a pitcher pitching for the Cubs in Mesa, it would probably help if he is going to be able to help the team have a second compound league squad. I start there. I completely start there. I'm really not interested in the Cubs bringing in a whole bunch of relief pitchers at the compound league level. Bring me starting pitchers, get 10, 12, 13, 14 starting pitchers at the Arizona Compound League level and tell them all, you're probably going to start. You're probably going to start in Mesa because we are going to have two different teams. We're going to play 10 games over a two-week period, over a one-week period, 10 games instead of five games, because then not only do you as a fringe pitcher that might not have otherwise gotten the chance to improve gets pitch, not only will pitchers get to come on in relief of you, heck, you get one guy who pitches three or four innings, next guy coming in to relief him, he's probably going to pitch two or three innings. So you're going to have guys who, hey, we're going to be able to use these pitchers more because we have more games to play. Guys on the bench, hitters, hey, there are more starting spots in starting lineups when there are 10 games a week instead of five games a week. Hooray, because we brought in these pitchers that have length in them. 
you are going to get to play more instead of sit on the bench more. I hope the Cubs have an eye toward that pitcher who was the Saturday starter at Nevada, Las Vegas, or that starting pitcher who was the Saturday or Sunday guy at Fresno State, didn't get drafted, didn't get signed. Now he's healthy, he's ready, he's good to go. He had his little workout. We talked with his agent. We talked with blah, 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 whatever. Bring his butt into camp. Get him ready so he is good to go. Three or four innings in extended spring training in anticipation of going three or four or even five innings in the Arizona Compound League because the more pitchers the Cubs have at the Arizona Compound League level, the more likely they will have a second team, which means the more at-bats you will get at the Arizona Compound League level. When it comes to February decisions in February, when Major League Baseball isn't going to be doing jack squat for the next three weeks, focus on minors. Focus on the minors. Focus on the minors. Right about now, Pitchers are starting to get ready. Pitchers are starting to get ready. That guy who used up his fifth year of eligibility or his fourth year of eligibility and decided, you know what, I'm done with college baseball. I want to be a pro. I want to be a professional baseball pitcher. But nobody picked him up. Nobody signed him. Nobody took a chance. But in the next, oh, two or three weeks, he's going to be having his numbers posted, his delivery posted, all that kind of stuff. Flat ground on Twitter, flat ground pitching on Twitter, whatever that is. Um, hey, this guy is throwing a three or four pitch mix. He's throwing uh, he's throwing 96 miles an hour. He pitched last year at Cal Poly Pomona, and he's good to go. Sign him, bring him into your minor league camp. He will be, a, sign that guy. Sign that guy. Because first off, he could actually be good. And second off, if he isn't very good, but he can nonetheless provide the Cubs three or four or five innings once or twice a week in compound league ball, that benefits the Cubs. I'm much more interested in players who were in college last year that are initial pros Sign them, get them on contract, bring them to Mesa, get them developing. The players who have already been exposed, I'm far less interested in them than I am in the players who are potentially going to be able to help the team longer term. And in Mesa in 2022, the overarching goal ought to be have two Arizona Compound League teams and make transactions along those lines. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. And I will have another podcast for you soon. Thanks for stopping by for a question of which or whether. <laughs>